0: Hello podcast listeners, this is Barbara Avila, and my business is called the Synergy Autism Center. Thank you so much for being here, and you are in for a treat today. I have one of the top pro golfers in the United States on today. Now, why would I have a golfer on my podcast, you ask? (laughs) Especially since I am quite uneducated in the world of golf. Well, the reason why is because Billy Mayfair was diagnosed with autism in 2019. He's here to share a little bit about his realizations and now his drive to help others like him. At one point in this podcast, he mentions having a group of children cheering him on at a tournament. Turns out they were autistic and he was honored to inspire them. At a couple of points, Billy Mayfair mentions being high-functioning. And I just wanted to share that many well-meaning people are still learning the proper or preferred lingo in the autism world. So I thought I would just mention it here. Many folks with autism feel that being called high-functioning does not actually honor their internal experience because many autistic individuals' mask or camouflage in our world of behavioral expe- expectations, and they burn themselves out into a state of actual non-functioning. Others who may be labeled as low-functioning, quote unquote, are actually capable of so much more than we may see or hear initially. So, my recommendation is to let's let let's do away with the terms high or low functioning. And now we start, we've started to, I've noticed we've used uh, level one and level two, and it's not much better. And simply respect the beautiful array of processing in our neurodiverse world. Maybe choose to mention whether someone is happy, secure, or adequately supported. Or maybe we mention whether someone is successfully celebrated for their gifts and honored in our, communica- in our communities. So, without further ado, I do want to thank Billy Mayfair for joining our Synergy Autism podcast. And I hope you'll enjoy hearing about how he and his wife have this dream to support the autistic community. So, please enjoy and sit back and relax. Hello, Billy Mayfair, and welcome to the Synergy Autism Podcast. I am so excited to have you here to share a little bit about your life, your autism, your foundation, and more. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you for having, having me, and uh, it's just really an honor, and I'm really excited to talk about this.
0: Awesome. So as um you know, this is a podcast about autism. <laughs> so we may have listeners who are not necessarily familiar with the professional golf world. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became a successful golfer. And anything anything you want to share about kind of that discovery for you?
1: Well, you- I, 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 grew, I grew up in Arizona. So uh-huh. it was a great place to, to learn how to play golf. And my mom and dad would used to take me out to the golf course uh, to a public golf course in Phoenix. And we'd be out there every day. Uh, and I, you know, I basically lived out there. I would go there right after school. I'd be out there all day on, on the weekends. And, uh, you nice. know, as I got better and better, I, I played in a few tournaments here and there and won some junior tournaments and, uh, it allowed some coaches, uh, to see me. So I was able to go to Arizona state university and played very well at Arizona state was an all American four-time all American. And, uh, when I when I did leave college and I did turn professional in 1989, I, I did get my, my PGA card my first time. And wow. uh, it was very difficult. So I'm gonna
0: stop you for a second. What does it yes. mean to get your PGA card?
1: Well, you have to in order to play on the PGA tour, you have to go through what's called a qualifying school. Mm-hmm. And it was six rounds uh, at, a, at a regular at a tournament, we played six rounds in it. And I think there was something like 250 guys there, and I think they gave out 50 cards. Wow. So, Very high stressful, because if you don't make that, you are probably going into Asia or you're going to some other off country to play golf, but you're not going to make any money. doing So you you needed to get out there on the PGA Tour. So it was it was very uh, much a relief when I when I got my PGA playing card the first time I tried. Yes.
0: Oh, wow. So do some people have to try it several times? Several times. Yeah.
1: And I was lucky enough of all of the 34 years I played on the big tour, I only lost it one time.
0: So, uh, wow. and
1: got it back. So I was very fortunate to stay out there and not have to go through all that.
0: Oh, so. that's fabulous. Was somebody in your family, um, a golfer or something? What got you into golf t- in the beginning? My
1: dad, my, my dad, my dad was probably the biggest golfer, but you know what I've learned through all this from the autistic, uh, standpoint, I I loved it to practice. I loved to go out to the golf course. And because of golf, I was able to go off by myself. I could hit golf balls for hours and do my own thing and have my own thoughts. And I didn't need a lot of people around me. I didn't need a team. I didn't need to have meetings or anything like that. So golf really opened up a lot of uh, doors for me and allowed me to go out and and be myself, Um, which at the time I wasn't too sure why why I enjoyed it so much. but But now I do know. So it really allowed, it really helped me growing up.
0: Well, and I've done uh, a little research since um, knowing I was going to have you on the podcast. And so what I know a little bit more about is that golf has so many variables that you need to be kind of paying attention to and um, from the weather to where the holes are going to be to the, you know, so is that what was intriguing to you about golf or what aspect was? Well, I, I think the
1: biggest aspect growing up about golf was just that I could do something that I could do uh, I could go out and, and play golf hit golf balls by myself yeah I didn't really do uh, being that much in front of people um, but I was just able to kind of be myself and, and and learn and then the fortunate thing when I did get older and and I traveled I got to see a lot of the country and 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 grew up pretty fast when you start traveling at 14 15 years old across wow. uh, you, you you learn you grow up real fast, and yeah. uh, it gave me it gave me a great opportunity to see the world and, and and meet a lot of different people.
0: Wow, that's fabulous. Okay, so I have to ask because it's in a lot of the news that you defeated Tiger Woods. Yes, so tell yep. us about that a little bit. That must well, well a lot of us it, know that name. Of course, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> a lot of people know Tiger. Tiger's a, a great guy. Uh, he's always been a good friend of mine. Um, it's, it's too bad his, his, his uh, accident. I, I hope that yeah. uh, he's recovering. I think I haven't spoke to him, but I, I think he's recovering well. And We don't know if he's going to play or not again, but we all are praying for him yeah. too. Yeah. And, and more importantly, for him just to be happy with what he has and, and what he's gonna be doing. But uh, I was fortunate enough in uh, 1989 to beat Tiger at the Los Angeles Open in a playoff, which mm-hmm. to this day, um, in, I'm sorry, 1998. It was 1998. Did I say 89 yet? Yeah. 98. I beat Tiger Woods at Valencia Country Club uh, in, in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And to this day, I'm still the only person to have beaten him in a playoff head to head.
0: Wow. Congratulations so, uh, for that.
1: <laughs> thank you. It, we, we have kind of a little joke. We, I was at a tournament a couple of years later, and Tiger came over and, and uh, sat down for breakfast with me and says, Hey, you know, can I sit with you? You're the only one I can't intimidate. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, 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 yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I bet <laughs> yeah. But instant friends
0: though. A, I'm sure instant. that he respected you. It was a high
1: respect there, yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, we,
1: and I think we've stayed, we've stayed friends ever since that. So obviously beating him is a is a huge anytime you win a golf tournament on the PJ tour, it's a huge feather and it's a huge accomplishment and, and a great thing. And at the time in ninety-eight, in Tiger still wasn't tiger what he is today
2: mm-hmm. and
1: for, so fortunately because he did so well and he became the one of probably one of the greatest players ever to play mm-hmm. by me beating him in that playoff made me better too made me look better oh i too. bet yeah so maybe at the time in, in in 1998 when i beat him maybe it wasn't as big of a deal but as time went along it became a bigger and bigger deal and and mm-hmm. like i said there probably isn't a day that goes by that someone won't say something to me about it so it's just which is a thrill which is a nice thing
0: well and now you're considered one of the top professional golfers in america
1: yes right yep. oh. yeah even though i'm i'm on i'm on what's called the champions tour now uh-huh. uh means 50 years uh, of age and, and over and uh, we're still very competitive we play uh, 30 30 tournaments a year schedule and wow. uh, it's not as quite as I shouldn't say competitive. It maybe isn't quite as a grind as the big PGA tour is, mm. but, you know, still traveling 30 weeks and, and these guys still want to win. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it's kept us all a little bit younger. That's for sure.
0: I bet. I yes. bet. Yeah. So, um, what would you like to share about why you sought a diagnosis when you did? And can you tell us a little bit about how that, how that came about?
1: Well, my wife, Tammy, who, uh, uh, who I knew for a long time before we got married uh, in in college and all that stuff. When when we did get married uh, when she got to spend more time with me and was around me every day and living with me and us obviously getting married and all that, she noticed some um, aspects that sometimes I had a hard time dealing with Mm -hmm. social cues, facial expressions, that type of deal. Mm -hmm. And she always wondered if I was on, on, you know, had Asperger's and all Mm that. She She was the one who pretty much told me to go get tested, to get diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think she wanted to see if I had it and and what it could do to help me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably saved our marriage Mm
2: -hmm. in
1: in the long run because it was, I didn't realize until later how hard it was on her. Mm. Uh, Sometimes you don't always see how it's hurting the people around you. And I'm glad that I did uh, because now that I have been diagnosed with it and that I've read the report and a lot more things make a, make a lot more sense to me of why I was when I was and and how I did things and why I do certain things the way that I do. Mm -hmm. And to me, everyone, I just thought this is what everybody else did and Mm -hmm. and not. And now, and now knowing this has, has helped me a great deal has helped my wife, Tammy, our son, Max, a great deal. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: we're trying to get the word out now to help a lot more people.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and as you're, you're, I'm sure, well aware, autism is a huge spectrum. Everybody mm-hmm. is different from one another. And so in displaying very different symptoms, what aspects of autism really kind of ring true for you You that maybe from Tammy, but maybe from just your discovery on yourself of that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: Well, once I was diagnosed, and as I said, even after I was diagnosed with very high functioning autism, I still was in denial. Mm-hmm. I I, did, I was not... Uh, I, I was the normal person. Everybody else was, had the problems, not me, you know, right. that, that was, and it took me a long time. And, but my, my doctor at home uh, who I spent a lot of time with talking to finally allowed me, I mean, I didn't allow me, but I finally sat down and, and read his report mm-hmm. and I sat in a room by myself, I took my time reading it and read it over many times. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, S- situation started to become more clear to me why I was the way I was, why did I have problems in school? Why mm-hmm. do I have social cues? Why do I think I upset people at times when mm-hmm. I'm not trying to and all that? Yeah. And it kind of, it just kind of, it, it allowed me to, to be aware of myself more at certain situations. Mm-hmm. And, and I think reading the diagnosis and now knowing about it and then getting to be out and work with my psychologist, work with my wife, Tammy, has really helped me improve in a lot of aspects.
0: Hmm. How have you, you know, I I really like your approach. I know that we'll talk about your foundation in a few minutes, but I really like your approach about also thinking about the persons, the people surrounding you and supporting Mm -hmm. them. And I'm sure that they see the beauty of autism in you as well as the challenges, but can you speak a little bit to like, why are you driven to, um, support the people around you?
1: Because, as as I found, and I was very surprised, and my wife Tammy was too, how they're they're left out, mm. the, the 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 husbands, the 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 wives, the girlfriends, uh, the children, other children in the family, mm-hmm. uh, and even grandparents. Grandparents are are very difficult at times because they were brought up in a different era, yeah. so they don't understand sometimes this autism, and there's nothing out there for them. Yeah. They have to deal with this. And as we said, with with at least with high function autism, uh, if unless you're with the person all the time, you really don't see it, you really don't notice it. Right. But but when you are with that person all the time and, and, and you live with them and see them day after day, you see little things. And what was amazing to me and to my wife was that there was just no help out there for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there was no help for my wife. Mm-hmm. you know, my wife have a, and I have a great marriage and everything like that. And, you know, I, I had to go to, I had to get diagnosed or she might've left me and mm-hmm. it wasn't anything bad. It just, it, you know, it's just hard to deal with and
0: yeah, figuring out that I did figure
1: different. out things. And yeah. it was very important to us to, to help that other side of the, of, of, of the equation for the people who have to deal with it and they don't have any help out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we share that drive. I am, as an autism specialist, I've really seen that, that I didn't want to just serve the people directly with autism. I wanted to help others understand autism and be, and the processing. And so I really appreciate that approach that you you and Tammy have. Um, well, husband,
1: husbands and wives and are, 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 are the biggest factor, but also yeah. the children, other children. Yeah. Uh, you may have three children. One of them may have autism and the other two doesn't. Yep. What about the other two? What do they need? How can we help them? How can we help them not just help the person with the autism, but help themselves? Yeah. And that's what our foundation is really geared around trying to do.
0: Oh, that's fabulous. Well, I'm excited I, to talk about that in a second. But what I would love to know too, is do you wish you were diagnosed earlier? Cause you yeah. were diagnosed as in a, a pretty late in life, right? So do yeah. you wish you were diagnosed? Yeah, earlier? That,
1: I wish I was, I was diagnosed. I'm, I'm 54, but 54. Um, <laughs> uh, <but>, uh, <laughs> Uh, I wish, yes, I was diagnosed at 50 and I wish I would have um, been diagnosed earlier. And actually I was diagnosed at 52, just to be B2B for sure. But I I definitely do. I think that I would have understood myself better. I think I would have been better at school. Mm -hmm. I think I could have communicated and had teachers help me a little bit more. Nowadays, autism is such a big deal that a lot of teachers are aware of it. When I was younger, uh, teachers weren't aware of it and they were just kind Kind of pass you along. Um, I, I had, I had a, a counselor in high school said, you know, don't go to college. There's no sense in you going to college. You're not going to wow. do it. You can't do it. Uh, uh, Mr. Horowitz was his name at Camelback high school in Phoenix, Arizona. And, wow. and he told me not to go to college. And I wrote that down in all my books. I wrote that down in my notebooks that you, you shouldn't be here. You got it. You, you know, and, and I proved them wrong. And Good that's why that's why I am very adamant about this, yeah. because it's, it's almost in a way of bullying someone. Absolutely. And, and, and what I think I found now, too, and a lot of people have, that people who have high functioning autism actually have a better time focusing on certain things. And that's why you find them doing very elite things from being athletics or, mm-hmm. or, or, or professional businessmen and all that. There's a very Absolutely. special quality. And a lot of businesses and, and coaches and teams are looking for this now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the beautiful things about autism is that hyper focus. It can be hard because shifting out of that can be hard.
1: Yes, yes. But
0: it is an amazing quality. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, really and, and 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 as, as just got uh, Tammy said, and, and another reason why I wish I would have been diagnosed earlier was as I grew up, I wouldn't have been taken advantage of mm-hmm. by my people who I thought were my friends who, who mm-hmm. weren't, and I would have been better able to stand up on my own two feet and stand up for myself mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I probably have learned more than anything these last couple of years with autism is is to stand up for myself a lot better when people used to walk over me quite a bit
0: so I know that you said that you hated school I read it somewhere is that, <laughs> is that why you hated school was because yeah of- I
1: you know I I enjoyed school I enjoyed going I enjoyed you know going you know I wasn't one of these you know yeah I'd rather have been on the golf course and in the classroom but I I wasn't Horrible going to school. It's just when you put the work in, yeah. and you studied, and you studied, and you studied, and you weren't getting good grades, and no one could tell you why. Mm-hmm. And, and you did the work, and and you'd see other people not do the work and get better grades than you. It was frustrating. And yeah. being a golfer and being an athlete, I'm very competitive. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's on the golf course or in the classroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are competitive. And to watch kids in there who don't try, who didn't care, get better yeah. grades than me. And I was studying and trying really frustrated me. And then to have counselors come along and say, well, no, you can't do this. Yeah. Um, I'm glad things have changed. I really have.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wish they had changed more than, than they actually have, but they still, there's still you know, room to grow is what I want to say. Right. <laughs> it, it, as we all say, is our, our, saying is, it's a step-by-step process.
1: Yeah. And every day we take another step forward and that's, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. So. Do you have some advice for other adults or parents of adults who are thinking that they might have autism?
1: Uh, my biggest advice to them is, is to go get tested, mm-hmm. to get tested as soon as possible, um, to come to acceptance with it, and to read the report and, and figure out how you can become better, how mm-hmm. you can become more to help the people around you, your wife, your husband um, mm-hmm. uh, your kids and all that um that was you know i that's the biggest thing i want to tell you know just because you're older doesn't mean that you don't have this and that that this can't help you i mean look what it did for me you know like i said 4 years i've known now and and i'm i'm trying to make such big strides with it and better help other people yeah and and to be a better communicator absolutely mm-hmm.
0: what kinds of things have you learned about being a better communicator well i,
1: I sometimes i get stuck Sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, I, someone will be in a conversation and I will start going off over here in left field somewhere Mm -hmm. and I'm not even aware of it. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I just have to say, oh, and that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned. It's okay to, okay, give myself, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 seconds, you know, give yourself a minute here to kind of re your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's probably more on the golf course than any other place, because sometimes I caught myself out there. My brain would just start going so fast. That Mm -hmm. hamster would be really going on that, that treadmill, yeah, and I just go hold on a second. And it's difficult at times when you when you play a sport where you are timed at times, and, and it is a timing situation. But I've I've learned through breathing and and all that to know when my brain's going too fast, and 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 to take a drink of water or to eat something, and to just try to slow down a little bit. And it's helped me tremendously.
0: Yeah, it really sounds like you've learned to kind of get out of your head and into your body in those moments to kind of go.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, I need to absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too, is when those moments come, come about when they, all of a sudden you're, you are going 85 miles per hour and you don't realize that you are, you go, okay, hold on a second. I'm having this moment right now. Yeah. let you know, let's, let's forget about it and, and, and let's calm down here for a minute and take a minute and just give yourself a minute to relax and, and, and get your focus back. Yeah. Because we can do that pretty quick at times.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Um, something else that I was curious about is just it, kind of, you alluded to this of, it sounds like you're learning to give yourself processing time, right? For your own, yeah. but I think that's also something that you're asking uh, for as an accommodation as well. That is right. common. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, my, my doctor who diagnosed me, uh, uh-huh. one of the first things he said after the diagnosis was that you definitely need some more time.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, and at times when they would time me, or I would be put on the clock out on the PGA tour, um, I would sometimes look defiant because my brain would get going so fast and I wasn't able to process it. I would actually slow down more than speed up. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a, a very bad image. It mm-hmm. gave me an image. I was trying to be a, be a jerk out mm-hmm. there. He told me to be fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, I'm going to play slower. Mm-hmm. And that was never my intention. Right. Uh, my intention was always to try to play fast, but just sometimes I couldn't, Get caught up. My brain was going so fast that I just couldn't get caught up. So yeah. I have worked with with the with the tour, with my doctors at home, and and trying to also have the players on the PJ tour, the staff out there in the PJ tour, understand me a little bit better, so that when things arise, they know that I'm not trying to be defiant. I'm just going through a situation and 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 to be patient with me.
0: That is such a common scenario that I hear. And it's, yes. it can be, I can only imagine how hard that would be for you to advocate for yourself. Do you have any advice for other people? Like how, what has worked for you in those conversations? I mean, I know you're doing it, but how do you even start those conversations with people who, well,
1: it, yeah. fortunately for me with golf, a lot of the, the, the people that I'm with the, the players I'm with, I've known since college,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I
1: played high school, college golf. We, we went through the big tour together. So they've known me for a long time. So when I've told them this, they, they, they understand. And what has come to my surprise more is that some, just about everybody out there has someone in their lives that is affected by autism. So, true. So no? <laughs> you know, uh, some of the, the, the staff out there who I know they have to go by certain rules, but they kind of lean the other way a little bit towards me because they have someone in their family who deal with autism, or they know someone like it. So this is something that isn't, um, you know, it's it's hard to recognize. It's not it's not kept in the corner anymore. People are aware of it. People know it's out there. So that's helped me probably more than anything, because about everyone who I've talked to and been out there with has been affected by autism one way or another.
0: So just more familiarity of the people you're talking to is helping. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: And, and, and like I said, knowing them and being, you know, growing up with them and, 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 and being around them for so long and, and being very familiar with them, it's easy to talk to them.
0: Yeah. Are there any other accommodations that you ask for? No. No, no
1: not, not, not nothing right now. No. Okay.
0: So, okay. So on the that's kind of like where you struggle a little bit, but what are the things that you celebrate about your autism?
1: Well, I... Um, yeah, it, I, it, it, the thing I love about my autism is it allows me to focus. It allows me to focus, I think, better than anyone else out there. So I, it's given me an advantage, I feel at times. Once I realized I had this advantage, once I had this, this um, uh, autism yes. gift, and, uh, but because of it, I think it allows me to get focused better. Mm-hmm. It allows me to stay focused longer. And um, you know, as I said, we're, we're, it's a step at a time you know, step by step, day by day, I'm learning new things, but it, 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 I always wondered why I did certain things, certain ways. And now yeah. I know why, Yeah, which is really neat, which is really neat.
0: Do you feel like it helps you not get distracted from some of the other things that other players get distracted by?
1: Sometimes, sometimes I think, uh, you know, from a, from a golfing standpoint, there are days and any athlete will tell you this. There's some days that you hear everything
2: uh-huh. and there's
1: other days that you don't hear anything. And mm-hmm. that's just how those days go. It, to me, has helped me now on the days where I do hear things or if my brain's going a little bit too fast or I'm a little bit too excited to know ways to kind of slow down, take a deep breath and know that it's OK to just to calm down a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have a question about, you know, before this interview started, we talked a little bit about just how grueling the um schedule is for a pro golfer. And I talk a lot with adults on spectrum about um, kind of managing energy levels and things, because sometimes um, people have, you know, kind of start the day with only a certain amount of energy and they run out of it pretty quickly, or they need to have down days in between to be able to keep going. So how have you managed with kind of the, or does that affect you? like? Cause I know you have to be on for like days playing ahead of time to then qualify for the tournament. Right. Right. Correct. Yep. So how do you, how do you manage kind of that energy level piece that, and is that an issue for you?
1: Well, it, it's, it's an issue for everyone. I think out there, I think yeah. that uh, you, you learn, you, 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 you know, you know, it's like this week I'm at home this week and I'm very relaxed and I'm trying to stay relaxed and, you know, get rest and all that, because next week we'll be back on the, on the, on the road and and grinding. But, you know, it's, we all get into routines out there and, and, and no matter how good your routine is, there's days you're going to feel, you're going to wake up with a lot more energy and there's days you're not going to. And, you know, I think this has allowed me to become aware of things Mm -hmm. uh, when those days that maybe I don't quite have it, what do I need to do to kind of jumpstart me and get me going and all that. But, you know, to be honest with you, I love, I love what I do. I love the tour. I love playing golf. I mean, it's one of the few sports that every week you start out equal and you go out that one week to see how good you can play. If you can, doesn't matter what you did last week or two weeks ago, it just matters what you did right now. So I, I love what I do. So that that's what gives me the biggest energy. I think.
0: That's such a good message because, you know, a lot of times we talk about um, special interest areas and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there now, finally, who are saying those special interests can become, you know, amazing gifts and, um, employment, right. And pro golfing, right. Where, right. you know, in early childhood or elementary school or whatever, we tend to go, Oh no, that's your special interest. We can't talk about it. But the big message is no, no, that can become like the, what motivates people, what keeps their energy going. So, yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I've noticed that when I've spoken to children, especially, I had a great experience a few weeks ago in Flint, Michigan, Mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me, I guess the autism, uh, group of autism kids came out to watch me play. Oh, and awesome. I had been, and I had been out there all day. We had to finish the first round. We had rain and all that. So I'd been out there all day and I didn't know that they were out there. I heard them kind of cheering for me and all that, but uh-huh. I didn't understand. And then when I got done with the round, I met with them. They talked to me and I went, and I, I, I love to talk to them. And like I said, I'd been out there for almost 10 hours and I was tired. But when I got in front of those kids, mean, my energy came right back and we spoke and it was really nice to see the kids listen to me and, and take to heart and also watch the parents standing behind them. And when you tell them that, hey, you know what, just because you have autism, you can do anything you want. Yeah. Don't let that stop you. And whatever your dreams are, go for it and go for it. And no matter what everybody else says to you, you know, just keep working hard and keep your nose to the grindstone. And, and you see the kids listen to you, but it's also neat to listen to the parents and see their reaction. Yeah. because they want to say the same thing, but, you know, they'll listen to me, but maybe not, you know, it will help them. So, you know, it just goes back to that whole concept again, but it's just the energy that talking to these kids and talking to people have given me over the past few years has really made it special.
0: So inspiring for them too, I am sure. Yes. So yes, thank you for, for taking on that part of the autism community. I'm grateful for you oh. for doing that. Um, Uh, Can you, you know, let's move to talking a little bit about your foundation and kind of your, um, to help parents and families and others close. I know we touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your mission to support other people and, um, you know, what you're hoping to do in the next you know, whatever, however long. Well, yeah, well,
1: yeah. Well, as I said, we're taking it step by step, we're, yeah. we're trying to get the foundation up. It's 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 in its beginning stages right now. So it's and new.
2: Okay. It's new.
1: Yeah. yeah and awesome. Barbara, maybe one time we can always get Tammy, my wife, on with you some uh, yeah. sometime so that she I can talk more about thing. it. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, she's really passionate about it, just as I am. Excellent. But as I said, as I said before, our 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 goal with the foundation is is to obviously help people with high level, high functioning autism, Mm -hmm. but to most of all, to help the people that support them. And, and, and the, the, like I said, the wife, the husband, uh, the children and all that, because it is so hard on them Mm -hmm. and people don't talk about that enough. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult at times to be with me. It's very difficult times to be with people who have even high functioning autism and they're out there screaming for help. And and they're screaming for help. And what our foundation is going to try to do is try to help them uh, deal with things, cope with things better. And as I said, it's it's almost a learning process as we go along. But we were just overwhelmed by how much help is needed out there for that aspect. And that's what our foundation is all about. And that's what we're going to try to grow into.
0: Well, and something that um, I really appreciate that and just something that I want to highlight is... When we use the wording high functioning, usually that means somebody who can usually manage in the kind of neurotypical world pretty well, but they may not necessarily feel high functioning inside. (laughs) And so like, right. So they're um, maybe hypervigilant feeling inside or having a response or having to hold things in that um, we don't see. And so sometimes the people who, are closest to people on spectrum who deal with that, get the brunt of it because it's when you know, you let down when you're not kind of performing for in the you know, neurotypical world. And right. so I just, I just want to mention that. And so I think that um, your mission is, is fabulous. So well, thank
1: you, and, and you hit it right on. And, and the one thing I've learned and, and, and I've talked to a lot of people about this is sometimes you know I've had a hard time with facial cues Mm-hmm. uh social you know um uh distances i mean not social distance but you know socializing talking social cues and all that mm-hmm. but there was also a lot of fear factors and i think one of the things i learned the most with fear was that i always i was always uncomfortable driving a car huh. uh, hey, i'm a very good driver
2: uh-huh. Here's your
1: puppy did hey, There. Oh. Um, <laughs> he woke up <laughs> he, woke, he woke up <laughs> yeah, he woke up <laughs> but i uh I always had a fear. I didn't have a fear, but I always got very anxious and high anxiety when I drove mm-hmm. the car. And there were some days I had none, but there's other days I had a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I found out that was because of my autism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that it, it just, you know, days I have high anxiety when I drive, I just have to be a little bit more careful. That. But those fears that, that you have are very real. And, and you talk to people about them and, and sometimes they don't understand that, but they are really, really real.
0: And are you bringing that up? Because it's also kind of like you have to hold it together when you're driving. And so then it may kind of that feeling.
1: Yes. At times. And, and as you said before, sometimes, you know, you, you don't, you're not aware of how people feel around you. You know, you could be that way and your wife's sitting in the car next to you and she's wondering why you're not going faster or why you're going so fast
0: sometimes and why it's
1: different. And, And that's just some of the learning curve that you have.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, Back to your foundation, is there anything that you would like to say or request of listeners of this podcast to support you in that mission of your foundation?
1: Well, as I, I well, first of all, Barb, thank you so much for letting me come on and talking yeah. to you about this today. But I mean, as I said, we're just we're just starting the foundation up, uh-huh. and through doing all that, we'll we'll be in touch and have a lot more information out there once once we get it really up and going.
0: Oh, fabulous. Okay. So you'll let me know so I can let listeners know.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Again? Yeah. We'll, we'll do it again. And I would love to have Tammy come on with you sometime because I think she would give a, from that aspect of the person, you know, who had to live with me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Go get well, I lo- or, yeah. You know, so I
0: love that idea. And maybe having both of you on for it a podcast is. would be fun too.
1: That'd be great. Yes. It really would. So,
0: so um, Billy Mayfair, I really appreciate you being on um this podcast and having a conversation with me today. Thank you. Well
1: thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me on and, and thank you for and God bless you for all the things that you do too.
0: Thank you. And good luck in your next um tour. Uh, tournament. 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 tournament.
1: tournament. Yeah. Next week. Yep. We'll go back out. <laughs> good luck week. to you. Yep. Where
0: are you going to be? Where are uh, you- actually, Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Well, yeah. good luck to you. And um yeah, I look forward to having you on again.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Synergy Autism Podcast, where we bring research, information, and people together to best understand and love those with autism, also known as autistic individuals. Check out my website for lots of additional links, like my Facebook account, Instagram account, blogs that I have written, videos, and even courses that are both free and some that I have labored with some wonderful colleagues um, to produce just for you. And contact me with questions and ideas for future podcasts. I'm here. I'm listening. Till next time.